Should you take coding or poetry? Should you think like an engineer or like an artist? Is it possible for your brain to do both? Turns out the answer may be found here. In a pile of Lego. It's Note to Self, the tech show about being human. It's gone through the generations. Everyone has Lego. Everybody has Lego. Everybody plays Lego when they're younger. We have a very large bin of Legos at home. Some of which were my husband's as a kid and some of which we bought. I'm Anoush Samarodi. You're listening to the theme song to the Lego movie. And yeah, most people think Lego is awesome. But there's a reason why I saw Lego everywhere when I recently went to visit Google's New York City headquarters. I mean, so many techies say that their love of building, of creating, started with those little bricks at a very young age. And that they still use them as grown-ups to prototype things, to try things out on their desk to get their creative juices flowing. Is that Dr. Moreau? It is. I have a nine-year-old son, so... <laughs> I have an eight-year-old. Do you? So you can Paige really Moreau is about. a professor of marketing at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Um, you know, what are all of these technologies doing that keep us from reveling in uncertainty, essentially? Technology, modern tools. She's worried about what they might be doing to us. When you can't remember a word, you can Google it. You know, you're never lost. Um, you know what the weather is. So just all of these increasing forces due to technology and other things are making us used to being correct. And I think that's having an effect <laughs> on us. Now, Paige also used to play with Lego. But back in the day, there were no kits. There were no instructions. You started making whatever you wanted to. And if you go into the toy aisle these days... You see beautiful kits, but they all share two things in common. One, there's a right way to do it, there's a right outcome, and there's a single way to get there. So Paige Morrow, she's a professor of marketing, she's also a mom, she has these worries, these concerns, and she takes it to the lab. So what we did was bring people into the lab and either give them a very well-defined problem, we actually did use the Lego kit, or we gave them an ill-defined problem, which was also bricks of Legos, and said, make something. 136 undergrads in a lab, either building with Lego kits or free building, making whatever they want. And then... We gave them one of two other tasks, which was either to solve analogies like you would on the SAT, or to complete an aspect of the Torrance Test of Creativity. The Torrance Test of Creativity. Moreau is talking about a measurement that researchers have been using since the 60s. It's kind of like an IQ test for creative thinking. So in this study, in her study, what the participants did was they did the unfinished drawing task. You get on a piece of paper a little squiggle, and then you are asked to complete the drawing any way you want to. And then you need to give it a title. And then judges rated the works, 48 judges. How abstract is the title? How elaborate is the drawing? How original is it? Anyway, Professor Morrow did these series of experiments on these undergrads, some of whom had built with the kits, others who had built whatever they felt like with the Lego, 
And then she found... The search for the single right answer was largely responsible for the decline in creative performance. In other words, building with Lego kits made them less creative. Both groups put the same amount of effort into their drawings, but the ones who had been using the kits, their drawings were rated as less elaborate, less abstract, and less original. Do you remember when you first saw the results of this study, what you were feeling or thinking, (laughs) both as a parent and as a business professor? You know, it's nice to know when you see certain things happening in the world, you can go into a lab and test them to see if they actually are coming out. And intuition-wise, there was, at least within this constrained time period, a decline in creativity that resulted from participating or completing these kits. We call it convergent thinking on trying to get to the answer in the most efficient way. So it sort of decreases the amount of exploratory thinking that you're willing to do. What do you think that means, you know, putting on your business professor hat? What can we extrapolate from this? Right. So there are many of different types of mindsets. And in this case, it's simply recognizing that the task that you're performing right now entails a certain set of cognitive processes that are going to transfer, in many cases, over to the next task, whether they should or shouldn't. So your mind, it starts thinking one way, and it's kind of like it's like this big cruise ship. To get it to turn, to go in a different direction, it's not easy. Okay, so you think, well, this is just one study. But there are numerous researchers looking at what makes people more or less creative. Maybe you remember a well-publicized paper from a few years back. It was called The Creativity Crisis. And researchers at William & Mary College found that while kids are getting higher scores on standardized tests these days, like the SATs, their creativity is going down, making them, and these are, I'm quoting here, less unconventional, less lively and passionate, and less perceptive. I mean, that makes me want to cry. And then there was a study that came out last year that looked at how sports affect adulthood creativity. Its findings suggest that kids who spend around two hours a week doing informal sports, you know, just kind of playing around with the ball, they are more creative as adults. More than three hours doing highly organized sports decreased creativity as grown-ups. I must not go off sides. We say that our economy is going to require lots of creative thinking to get us out of climate change and class inequality. This is going to require a lot of brain power. But are we setting up our kids to be those creative thinkers? Are we giving them the tools to be able to crack those problems? I mean, that question is kind of broad. It's also kind of alarmist. Sorry about that. So let's bring it back to something a little more tangible. Those damn Legos. The other day, I was talking to Naomi Clark. She's a game designer. She worked at Lego for five years. And I really wanted to get her thoughts on kits and creativity. But I ended up going on this, like, tirade, this total rant. I'm kind of pissed at Lego because my kid, who's really into Lego, wants the kits. He wants another kit. He wants another kit. And I'm annoyed because I keep thinking, like, what that's not what Lego is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about using your creativity to make whatever you want. 
Yeah, so you're touching on a debate that's been raging inside of both Lego, the company, and among real hardcore enthusiasts of Lego, at least since the uh, the mid to late 80s, uh, when Lego started to introduce castle and space sets. Because they realized, okay, you know, if we if we give kids some instructions on how you could build a truck out of Lego, how you could build a, a house, that they're actually are learning some things about design, about aesthetics. And all of a sudden, you start to see kids making things that looked a lot more realistic, but uh, but that were inherently maybe a little bit less creative. So Lego has made a point of continuing to sell the basic tubs of bricks in lots of different sizes and shapes. Yeah, my my kid would be so mad at me exactly. if I gave him that. And that's the real problem. Kids you... want the stuff with the extra intellectual property on top. So – yeah, I, you know what was yeah. the piece that pushed me over the edge? It was this like Arctic um, explorer kit, mm-hmm. and there was one big boat. Like it's just a boat. It is one piece of plastic. There is nothing more that it could ever be. It is a boat. We now use it as a bath toy. That took up most of the box. Yeah, and that's that's a design trend in the creation of Lego elements. That that has been controversial over the years. There are some adult enthusiasts who do a lot of Lego building who coined a name for that type of brick, which <gasps> you might called? you might it's a, it's called a spud, a single <sighs> purpose perfect. a single purpose useless decorative. That's what spud stands for. It's I call some, it a dud. Yeah, and I think a lot of people agree with you and have similar complaints. Okay, spuds and duds, parents complaining. So when we come back, there is a way to use kits and free building to be your most creative self or your most creative kid or your most creative employees, whoever you need to do the big thinking. We're back. You're listening to Note to Self. I'm Manoush Samarodi, and we're talking about creative thinking and how it relates to Lego. I mean, kids, they just love those kits. It is like a sure thing. You know that what you have in that box, just follow the instructions. It is going to look amazing. And let's face it, we grownups, yeah, we kind of like kits too. I mean, a lot of businesses, a lot of startups are basing their business models on this. Startups like for food, right? Blue Apron, HelloFresh, Plated. They deliver ingredients pre-chopped, pre-measured, so you can get dinner right for once. Just follow the instructions. It's you'll you'll be perfect at it. Or like how about getting dressed? Don't risk pairing those crazy shoes with that striped shirt. Subscribe to a startup like Stitch Fix or Trunk Club and you can just have the perfect wardrobe delivered to you in a box. I mean, aren't kits how IKEA took over America? It's definitely how Lego took over the toy market. So for our purposes, Lego is the perfect window into your creative soul, no matter what age you are. But is there a right way to play with it, a way to maximize creativity? Apologies to Professor Moreau and all the other researchers studying creativity scientifically in their labs. I decided to do my own entirely unscientific survey, and my first subject was mom, Jen Choi. Some of my friends don't dislike them so much as feel burdened by them. Jen has two Lego crazy boys, and she's the founder of this great educational toy review website. 
toysartools.com. They have that urge to want to create something or build something. And the fastest way to do that is to buy a new set. And people do that, and it's okay to do it a little bit. But if you keep doing that as a way to fulfill that need, I think what ends up happening is that another problem was created. Sometimes they just end up filling up a bin. And then when the bin fills up too much, the kids start only skimming at the top. And then the rest of the pieces on the bottom, they don't, they don't get played with. Yeah, so what Jenna's saying is like, you know, there's all these Legos in a bin and it's totally chaotic and that's not relaxing. So, of course, kids want a new kit, a fresh kit with everything so beautiful and those those little cellophane bags that have like like a tiny gem in them or something. It's just so satisfying, right? When Jen put this Lego conundrum out to her readers, they actually had a relatively simple solution. Some of my readers have way more Legos than I do. And the first thing that they told me was to sort by color. Okay, so organize your Lego. Sort it by color. Make it look beautiful and attractive to kids. And really to yourself, too. So that your kids want a freestyle build and they don't want to resort to those prepackaged kits that are all ready to go. Kind of a pain in the ass, but from what Jen says, worth it. Okay, so next victim in my unscientific survey on the weird effects of the Lego kit. My name is Stefan Turnipseed. I'm the president emeritus and executive director of strategic partnerships for Lego education. Lego education. This is the arm of the company that helps teachers use Legos in their classrooms. Like if they have a STEM curriculum, Lego wants them to obviously use Lego. And I was just wondering, you know, in terms of how the brand has evolved, where do the kits fit in in this idea of creativity? Well, I think we they fit in in a number of ways. One is is that it gives you a predictable system of construction so that once you learn how to build things, we would pose that as an engineering question. How would you build something like the Taj Mahal? It may not look like it, mm-hmm. but what type of engineering concepts would you need to know? What type of architectural concepts would you need to know? And through that, we begin to teach the math and we begin to teach the the engineering, the technology even. Right. That makes sense. Just think of the kits as design and engineering classes in a box. I mean, maybe I'm overthinking it, as we parents tend to do. It's often an adult issue, less than a child issue. Children actually tend to recognize that they can take it apart and rebuild it and build it differently and and they can construct it and and unconstruct it. In fact, that that is one of the huge challenges we face generally is that parents adults, let's put it that way, including parents, we all live in these sort of self-imposed kind of worlds that we've created. We project that onto our children. Do we? Do we project our own creative limitations onto you children? Okay, we need to include some kids in this survey. What do they think of the kids? First, a random child on the streets of Manhattan named Zoe. Mostly I don't do the Lego sets. Mostly I just free builds with blocks. So that's what I really like to do. I just like to create things. Okay, so one kid not obsessed with the new Chima or Ninjago set. Thank you, Zoe. And now let's ask the child in the control lab, my own son, Kai. I make this thing in the kit, but a little later I just break it up. And make what? 
like my own creation, but the second part's a little tougher because they have to use a ton more brain power. Huh. It's going to take more brain power, parents. Okay, so the point here is the little free builders with their Legos, they are onto something. We need to dump the big old pile of Legos onto the kitchen table and let them have at it. And maybe we need to do more of that in our adult lives, too, like throw dinner together. Find a way to use that weird old piece of ginger at the back of the vegetable drawer. Or F it, just wear that scarf that you love and make your own personal sartorial statement. Maybe you don't look perfect. Okay, so finally, to round out my unscientific survey, back to our creativity researcher from the beginning of the show, Professor Paige Moreau. Even the kits certainly have their place. They require a great deal of concentration and persistence. The kits have done very well in the marketplace, and it does suggest that they're feeding a need for adults and for kids to know that they're on the right path and to achieve the right outcome. So has this changed the way that you parent your nine-year-old son or how you get him to play with Lego? I think it does make me sit back and also with my students, not to equate my nine-year-old with my my (laughs) MBAs or my undergrads, but it's really to encourage them all to revel in this uncertainty. It's not a bad thing. It's opportunity and try not to rush to a certain outcome. I still love Legos. I think they really represent immense possibilities. And here's the key takeaway from her research, says Morrow. If you want to get your employees or yourself in the most creative possible mindset, you need to prime your brain. Don't go straight from, like, balancing the books to brainstorming. You probably could do a warm-up exercise where you do some random associations, for example. Yeah, it's sort of, how are these scissors like this chair? Free association's wonderful. It forces you to see connections among things that you would rarely put together. So you got to get yourself in the right frame of mind if you want to come up with an idea that the world or your boss has never heard before. And I think this is the reminder here, right? It all comes back to balance. You don't have to freestyle all the time, but don't restrict yourself to a kit mentality all the time either. There's there's a place for both. You need both. How do you get into a creative mindset? I mean, seriously, do you do word associations? Are you rummaging through your kids' Lego bins? Or maybe, I don't know, maybe you follow some of the bored and brilliant stuff that we've recommended here. You just sit around and get bored now, and you know that that's when the good stuff is going to come. Listen, we need you to keep our creative juices flowing by suggesting a story or posing a question that you would like to hear a good answer for. You can email us or better yet, record a voice memo using the voice memo app on your phone. Send it to note to self at WNYC.org. You can also post questions and ideas on our Facebook page or on Twitter at note to self The team here at WNYC is Jen Poyant, Ariana Tobin, Amy Eason, and Joe Plord. Many thanks to Andrew Dunn for mixing this Lego episode. I'm Anoush Samarodi, and I will see you soon. Can I just say you've just taken me back in time to uh, the early 80s 
when my siblings and I, they, they're younger than me, and they had a very specific name for the one that has just two sort of poppy things on yeah. it. They called them Bunchanese. Bunchanese. I don't know why, but that shape was called Bunchanese. What are they really called? Well, most of the time, those would be called two-by-ones. Two-by-ones, not Bunchanese. Okay. Not Bunchanese.